Hey mamas, it's Ariana Evans and you are listening to I See You Mama. I see you mama. That's how it's supposed to be said, but it always comes out weird. So it goes, I see you mama. I see you. So I see you mama the podcast, which never comes out. I always say it weird and then I feel weird about it. But anyway, this is the podcast. If you've never uh, been here before, this is episode number 42. And um, I took an extra week off. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen in the news this week, um, there uh, was a tornado that ripped through Nashville, um, where I live, on Monday night. And I was already a day behind and being a slacker about getting this podcast ready. And we had had a very busy weekend and blah, blah, blah. I had a million excuses. And I was like, ah, just get it done. And then um, everything got kind of turned on its ear for the week. Uh, a lot of homes, not even a mile from us, were just destroyed. And uh, the kids were all out of school. It tore, it tore up some schools in our area. Um, so they just let the kids out for like the worst spring break ever in which we went and volunteered and did projects well, it wasn't the worst. And the worst in that it was totally unexpected and nobody had a plan. And uh, it's not like, we're going on vacation. No, none of that. Um, yeah, I took my daughter's Girl Scout troop and we went and sorted clothes that had been donated. Uh, we went and delivered some things to some people who were literally having to move out of their house. And it was kind of an earth-shattering thing for a lot of people. There were... Uh, more than two dozen deaths between Nashville and the neighboring counties, which was just, you think that in this day and age, we've, we have cell phones and we have enough notice and we have weather radios and we have all these things. And uh, sometimes it's still not enough. And that's a really heartbreaking thing to realize and to deal with. Um, for us, we I heard the alarms go off and they woke me up. And they're not that far from our house. And I really lay there for a minute debating, like, oh, do I really want to get these children up? It's 1 o'clock in the morning. Ugh. Those alarms, the sirens go off for the whole county. They're, it may not even be us. And we'll just have dragged these children out of bed for nothing on a school night. Oh, no. Um, you know, all these thoughts that go through, uh, all these thoughts went through my head in, like, probably 15 seconds. And then I listened to the wind outside and my husband and I made the call and we got down into our uh, little safe hallway which is uh, right where the basement door is so if it really is bad we can make a bolt for it um, down the steps but in those like 30 seconds we had friends whose lives were turned completely upside down and in that short amount of time, in that short amount of time in which I pondered, do I really need to do this? Um, cat, yeah, kind of lesson learned. Anyway, so it's been a very weird, weird week in terms of getting everything done. And I just was, I, I just set, I literally set the podcast aside and said, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on a minute and, um, I'm not going to stress myself. I'm going to take care of myself. I was really just you know, kind of wrapped up and anyway, this feels really self-indulgent to tell you all this, but I think as parents, I feel like we feel this a lot. And I, 
and I recognize the sentiment from so many of my friends is, um, there was all these people just out and like with the chainsaws and doing stuff and rebuilding and sorting and helping. And I was stuck at home with three kids who, if I took out them out to the tornado touchdown sites, they would be underfoot and not listen and they may even be in danger. And so I felt just kind of helpless and useless and really kind of struggled with that and then began to find ways to be involved, which was really cathartic. And I felt like I was being useful, which was good. Anyway, that's a whole topic about wanting to do more than my capacity as a parent allows me to do. Um, that's a whole other thing that we could talk about. But this week, uh, I finally finished editing this podcast. My friend Jennifer Hagendeer came over and we talked and it went a little over an hour. <laughs> so this one's a little bit long, but, uh, she's a working parent. Um, both the primary, um, she's the primary, well, she shares roles with her husband for primary caregiver, but she's the primary, uh, provider for her, for her household. And this is a thing that a lot of mamas have to do as well as parent. And, um, I loved hearing her talk about it and I think you'll appreciate what she has to say. Um, yeah, at the end we, we reference, um, an organization that she's trying to start up in which other working moms are working moms are supporting working moms. There's a lot of things for stay at home mamas like mom's club and all that stuff. But there's not as many resources for women who are working full-time and are the primary earners of their family. So this was really such a great conversation for me to have and for really to listen hard to the other side. Because um, there have, you know, I talk about this in the podcast, but there have been times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to stay home. That makes me so much more awesome. And it doesn't. It's just a, a privilege that I had and recognizing that. And I quickly got over that <laughs> once. Uh, yeah, it took me a hot minute, but I was, you know, even as before I had kids, I was a nanny and I was judgy about the parent, parent, the parents that I worked for. Like, well, I'm raising your kid for you. That's, I wasn't, I was keeping them alive. Let's be truthful. Um, it being a parent is totally different than being a nanny. <laughs> There's some logistics that are similar, but it's not the same. And, um, yeah, I was super judgy about all that stuff. And that was a long time ago. And yeah, my, uh, <laughs> maybe my, for my judgment, I was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of karma or a little bit of like humility handed to me. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, sister. And I didn't. Um, anyway, so we, this is my conversation with Jennifer Hagendeer and, um, she's this amazing woman who, I don't remember if this part and it didn't end up in it, but I literally think of her as like, she's the sharpest. She's so sharp. She's a pistol. She's just amazing. And, um, yeah, I know you're going to love what she has to say and we are going to jump in. Um, but I just want to say if you are at all kind of plugged in or concerned about, um, Nashville and this tornado recovery, there are so many resources, um, and if you have time, you can go to handsonnashville.org, H-O-N.org. Um, 
North Nashville saw damage to and Gideon's army is uh, sort of heading up that. There are so many wonderful organizations that you can be, you can donate your time or your money or your resources to them as they help people recover from um, this natural disaster. Anyway, so we're going to jump in uh, the interview with Jen and we really just talk, I, mean, I feel like we talked about a million topics, but really they were all from the perspective of um, her as a working mom. And I think that's an important thing. So we're going to do that. And uh, I'm going to put some resources in the show notes if you um, are also, I know there are two, like, two very different topics that I'm talking about in this little intro, but um, the National Tornado, which is really still on my mind, and then um, Jennifer Hagendeer. So I'm going to put some resources in the show notes and you'll be able to jump in and, and learn more about what happened in Nashville this week. And um, yeah, and then hear some more about what Jen has to say. So anyway, here we go. I've been trying to get you here for like forever. Yeah, since the first time he coordinated, asked, is the topic's changed about 16 times. <laughs> Exactly, it should change about 15 times. Yeah, Enneagram 8, who just like, you know. And this, and this. In the middle of a middle age, I'm not calling it middle age, I'm calling it middle age reckoning (laughs) and an awakening. It just depends on the day. So let's start from the top. Um, You, we know each other because we are neighbors. Yes. And you were (laughs) without children. And I was loud and listening like over your fence at like your fabulous dinner parties. And you're like, (laughs) wow, they have such a cool life. And we, neither of us had any kids. No. No kids. Just dogs. Lots of dogs. Yeah, I had a dog. You had lots of dogs. I had three dogs. Yeah. But the fourth that kind of came through every once in a while. And a cat. And yes. a husband. Yes. And I then all you of had us kids moved. first. Well, yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did because my oldest is older than your mm-hmm. oldest. So then we bought a house and moved away. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, filtered. East Nashville is such a small town. It is such a small town. And I'm even though I've left and people think I lived in Beirut, I live in White's Creek. <laughs> Literally, it's ten like, minutes away. People. It's two point six miles, three miles from here, <laughs> like from Cleveland Boys and Girls Club or whatever. It's six yeah. miles from Whitman School, but yeah, it's still the same neighborhood. At five and a half acres, but they're like, "Where you're off in the middle of no? When did you? Why did you leave?" And then they'll see me running, and this I've been gone since 2013 from East Nashville. We moved from 2005 to 2013 in East Nashville. Yeah, and I'll, they'll see me running in East Nashville because you have sidewalks, right? So that's exactly. where I run, and they'll be like. I thought you moved. <laughs> I'm like, well, my tax dollars pay for your sidewalks. So, so I'm going to run you. on your sidewalks. So you, we've known each other. I mean, that was in 2005. Yeah, yeah we moved there. September of 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you did Uncorked Music for us. Yes. Musician. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And I still remember I was up on stage like in the middle of a song and a guy walked up to me and he was like, um, um, can you adjust the sound? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like you walk up to the musician who's currently playing the middle, like I was in the middle of a song. A song. It was a really good song too. And you had given like, us your you? CD. That's what happened. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Oh my god, <laughs> that was another life. We had Carrie another Ott and, Jamie, and Jeremy Lister. Carrie Ott and Jeremy Lister that year too. Who, or Brooke no, Wagner. Brooke Wagner. It was Brooke Wagner? Yeah. Zach did a good job picking musicians back in the day. He did. Now he just paints houses. So. <laughs> Married to a house painter. You know, he found a different calling. Uh, it makes all of us happier. Good. Yes. So, since then, you've had two kids. Yes. And like a million dogs. Yes. You've moved out. Dog rescue. Out the world. to this. 
semi-suburbs of Nashville. No, it's not the suburbs from <laughs> Davidson County. It it's, is not the suburbs. <laughs> you're a little outside of the urban core. Yes. And it's a little more... Rural. Rural. Correct. And there's more space and yes. land. Yes. Um, and since I've known you, you you've been like... <laughs> I feel... You know, there's people that... I would say... What's her name from House of Cards? Claire? Mm-hmm. I would say, like, when I saw her, I was like, that's Jennifer. <laughs> and I, <laughs> like, took that, I took that as a compliment. Right, because yes. I think of her as, like, a razor. Yeah, with well, those shot, like, shot yeah. well, I hope I'm soft around the edges, and I haven't killed anyone yet. Right, you haven't killed, yep. but, like, early, early, first season, I was like, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and a haircut, and, too. I, I got my haircut <laughs> like that, too. And she was blonde, and I was blonde. Yes. And there's, like, there's something about, like, your presence in the world that you walk through the world, and you just kind of cut through. Like, mm. here I come. I'm doing my thing. I'm trying better. I'm trying to be more cognizant of of that. Sometimes. That's not a negative. That's I understand, not a negative. but it has been at times in my career. Yeah. Right. But I feel like they're more. Well, then I'm not, I'm not phrasing it right because I. See no, no, no. Like the beauty of it is to be the beauty with. of it is self awareness, and um, I'm pretty upfront with that. Yeah. Right. So I tell yeah. people like, this yeah. is how I do things. This is how, I mean, this is who I am. I can't do anything about it. Right. I'm 45 and now. I. Yes. I'm continuous improvement project, but my big changes have already kind of happened. Right. Like now it's going to be tweaking and maybe live mission stuff. Yeah. Like I may change my focus, but how I do it. And if you don't tell me where your boundaries are, I don't know. Right. Maybe that's on the spectrum, but I I don't know. tread them. Yes. (laughs) Right. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Right. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm always trying to be respectful. Yes. Right. So I don't engage in some conversations with some folks because I know I can't. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a forceful, beautiful thing, and not in a negative way at all. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm from Texas, and we would say, we would say like, "Ooh, she's a pistol." Yes, you're probably a pistol. <laughs> not a peach, a pistol. You're not a peach, you're a pistol. Yes, my my husband would say, "What did he say?" You're like a an all star quarterback who can only, or a, a, a baseball player that can only throw fastballs. You've got to learn to throw a, a, a off speed pitch or a curveball. And I and I was like, "We've been together for 23 years. I can throw other pitches. You just don't notice any of the right. other ones, right? They, come, they don't come at you and knock your socks off." What he like. loves about me is also what he can't stand about. Me, right. <laughs> That's all of ours. So you put an eight and a four together, and then that's like... Oh, he's a four. Yes. Wow, that is a combo. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking about the Enneagram for people who are like, eight, what? And eight is the director force of nature. Right. And a four four is is, um, lovely and creative. Introspective artist. Very introspective. (laughs) And runs as a runner. When you you push, they introvert. Yeah. And eights, when you push we explode yeah push <laughs> so come on the op- let's do it right yeah, yeah. So it's the opposites so it'll be interesting to see what the kids where the kids land in those fears <laughs> i would say liza is headed straight toward eight toward eight she, yeah she doesn't she's actually yeah if she and i both survive childhood she will be an amazing woman she will change <laughs> she will change the world i had similar thoughts about my oldest and i was like Either one of the two of us are not going to make it. Yeah. Unless we, we really, because I watch so many sort of mother-daughter relationships go intensely sour mm-hmm. around puberty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want that. Mine She's my girl. Sour, yeah. She's my girl. I don't want that. And like, I, she doesn't have the skills. So I have to find the skills. Yeah. To make sure that this doesn't, because she pushes my buttons. Oh, God. 
I mean, Eliza's like, I don't even know. It's such a daughter. I think it's a daughter thing. No, it's a, I mean, she's also the youngest. Yes. And she's a, she's a Scorpio, if you even believe in that stuff. That's I'm a, my daughter. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> and I remember telling people when I was pregnant with Eliza, and I was 40, right? So it was yeah. my friends, who and that's for me, that wasn't a big deal. And it wasn't for my doctor either. But for my friends, it wasn't for them. But my hairdresser said, um, wait, when does she do? And I told her, and she's known me for 15, 20 years. And she said, oh, my God. What? She's, <laughs> you're going to have a Scorpio daughter? I said, yeah. She starts to laugh like that. And I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, just buckle up, babe. She's like, because they will love you to death. And then if you if you cross them, they'll cut you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. I'm like, a Capricorn. I'm like, I don't really know what you're talking about. And, you know, and then I have my steady little smart <laughs> boy who loves everybody and yes. has high empathy and yes so we'll see it'll Delightful. be it's gonna be very interesting <laughs> very very interesting and i'll be old and it won't matter right you'll be like i mean just come see me at the home exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know curfews by the time they get old enough to have curfews i'll be in bed by seven right, after like, a rule of fortune i've had four a 4 p.m dinner i'm going to bed i had two glasses of wine before six i'm already in bed <laughs> Aging motherhood. I can shoot someone every day. Like, I, I get really hot on the collar about that stuff. Aging motherhood. Well, the people who say things, and I'm just like, you know, everybody has their own unique experience. Right. right? So right. I was just blessed to get pregnant right away at yeah. 36 when I tried. And that, to me, was just right timing for us. Right? Yeah. You know, together seven years, got married, married seven years, had kids. Yeah. So we've kicked the tires. <laughs> you were like, well, I guess I'll keep I guess you. we're going to keep Let's you. And even then now, like <clears throat> even maybe two weeks ago, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but that's marriage, right? Out. Yes. I think like I told people the other day, like if you don't want, to, if you don't know you want to be married to someone, don't do it. Right? Yeah. Just don't do it. Why? Yeah. Would you, don't do it. It's a lot of work. It's it is like, a lot of a lot of work. There's this whole idea, and I push against it all the time. That like when you know, you know, and you're meant to be. No, I'm like that's hell a no. It's a lot of horse hockey. There's like it's so a, many people you could be married to. Out there's there. like yes, they're really yes. people. There's this whole thing. It's that a beautiful idea. Around was the one. Yeah. Your twin flame, and I'm like, Mm-mm, that's a load. Mm-hmm. Like this is the person I choose to be with, and the person that I bust my butt. Mm-hmm. To make sure that I'm still a good human being when I'm around. And him. you hope they do the same. Right. And you hope they do the same. And every once in a while you're like, hey, flick on the uh, forehead, flick uh, on the ear. Hello. Hey, hey, you forgot to be a good human. Yeah, I need you to be a good human for me right. today. Or actually, I think the other day I said, I don't like you right now. <laughs> I just really don't like you right now. And I say that to my kids sometimes too. Yeah. Like, I always, <clears throat> excuse me. We're very honest. I'm like, I love you. I will always love you. I'm your person. You yes. can't do anything that won't make me love you right or now. find you. But. <laughs> Right now, I don't like you. Yeah. And you, and he's like, I don't like you. I'm like, good. That's fine. Good. You yeah. know, we're okay. I'm not your best friend. I'm your mother. That's not my job. Yeah. My job is to try to be your friend, <laughs> but my job is to keep you alive and teach you to be a decent person, not being an asshole. That's not my goal. My oh. whole goal in life. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> don't be a Republican. Don't be a jerk. It's <laughs> had to slide that into. Yeah. Well, that's to... the, and that's the thing. I think there's two pieces that I've, I've said to younger younger women who, when they think about having kids, my other thing is don't do it unless you really <laughs> want to do it. Yeah. Right. There are too many of us damaged out there that have been raised with families who didn't, who just did it because they were expected to do it. Right. And it will blow up your marriage. Or you thought that it would like somehow it's save you. It's not going to save you. You are your marriage. Save your marriage. No, it's going to, no. it'll eat you alive. Yes. Because everything you ever wondered about yourself, every insecurity is just then amplified yeah. by small people who are walking around needing you and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Right. I already, I always said like, if you want to see like what a horrible human you are, get married. Yes. And then if you want to see what like 
even more horrible human you are have, have children. children. Yes. <laughs> like they will bring out all the horrible but that, like, all the doing great things too, right? Yes. So there's a level of intimacy with my children that I don't have with anyone else. Yeah. Which for right or wrong, you know, yeah. I told somebody when they said, well, and I said, no, having kids, being a parent. So I'm not going to talk about having kids and birthing kids because that's a different conversation. Yes. Being a parent is like the most exciting, exhausting, terrifying thing I've ever done. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just screwing things up on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. And the beauty is they don't remember anything before the age of three. Uh-huh. Right? But now I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. Like, and they're forming memories. Yeah. You know, mom drinks wine. Like, <laughs> now they actually have a tally in their head about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And remember yes. those things. And But, you know, it's. It's it's uh, amazing to watch, and it's a choice, a love of need. It's a love that I can't, I don't choose. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, marriage is a choice. Yes, but once you have those children, for me, it was not a love, a choice. Right, and it's scary as hell. Yeah, and I like the they're speaking of mistakes. So the other day, like I was just pissed. I was so mad. I was yelling at everybody. We're trying to get out the door for school, and I literally was like. I recognize that I'm crazy right now. And I was standing and I was stood by the door and put my hand on the doorknob. I was like, I can't stop being really horrible right now. And I'm really sorry. <laughs> and I really want to stop. So I need to shut my mouth right now. But I need everybody to get in the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> but see, that's like, authentic living. Right. That's what you need to show your children. There's no shame in being sad. There's no shame in being angry. There's no shame in being like. Yes. There's no shame in that. Oh, it's, it's emotional. My mouth is like a like. Oh, me too. Oh, well, like and... Eliza today, you know. Yeah. Like she just she always wants to kiss me and touch me and hug my face when I'm angry when I'm irritated yeah. and I finally just have to say this is my body I need you to step away from my body <laughs> I will give you a hug in a minute but I cannot do it right now yeah like you I can't I just yeah. physically can't do it I do that a lot to my kids I'm like get out of my kitchen go away <laughs> everybody walk <laughs> away from minute. mama for just a minute. a minute mama needs a minute that's why I work I mean I love my kids but I love my job yes like so. I hit the road on Mondays when I had an office and you would hear my tires screeching on the driveway <laughs> like my kids it's been fun it's so amazing so I want to talk about that, like yeah. being a working mom too. So, because yes. you had kids, and then Zach was the primary at home. He is the primary. Uh, no, I am. Mm, we it's split hard. it. Yeah. So, if you think of it like a business, right? I'm the CEO. He's the COO. See, yes. Chief so he's the operations person. I yes. am the executive officer. <laughs> so I make sure the bills are paid, the mortgage is paid, like. I make sure the doctor's appointments are done. I still carry the most of the mental load. Yes. Right? Yeah. I do the laundry. He, he, wipes he takes butts. the trash. Exactly. He he facilitates transportation. Right. Right? So yeah. if I'm traveling for work, which I do probably every other week for probably two to three days a week, mm-hmm. um, and I work from home when I'm not. So I have flexibility when I'm working from home. Right. So that so I come can come over to my house and record a podcast. Exactly. Or drive <laughs> or drop a child off at a daycare and he can drop one off at school and I'll drop one off at a daycare. Right. When I'm traveling, he's doing both children drop off, both children pick up at two different locations. Yes. And when I'm in town, if I'm working, we may split it up depending on who's doing what. Right. Um, and that's just our agreement. Our agreement, I've been the breadwinner our entire marriage. Yeah. And so when he left the workforce, office workforce, and went to paint houses, my goal was what I said was as long as you can make enough to make your car payment because he had a new truck right. and daycare, mm-hmm. you can work. But otherwise, you need to stay home because yeah. daycare is expensive, right? <laughs> right? Yes. And 
we love day- daycare. I mean, our kids are at downtown at a very nice pre-K, preschool daycare. Right. Montessori-based. Very, That's way so nice. better than either of us would do at home. Right. I mean, I mean, if we're going to be honest, neither of us are cut out to be like you and be like, <laughs> I'm going to take four of them years. to the pool and we're going to do it on the weekends. Like take some extra. So. Right. You took one of mine. Like, I mean, I'll do it on the weekends. We're not homeschooling. We're not making crafts. We're not, right. we, you know, we try to do some. We do some things as a family and we have fun. But but if they were home, neither of us are, are geared in that way. So they get experiences at daycare yeah. that they would never get. And a village of people that have invested in their childhood. Yes. As much or more than we are. Yes. So I say not not as much or more, but invested in different elements of their personalities. Yeah. And so I tell their teachers, like Zai Whitman's teacher and Eliza's daycare teachers, I call them their date, their weekly, their weekday moms. Yeah. Right. Their weekday parents, and they need to tell me what I need what? to know <laughs> for the weekend, for the weekend and for the nighttime. And then I'll say, hey, by the way, you know, we screwed up. We let her stay up too late or whatever. Yes. Um, but they, and then we also built a village of parents. Yeah. So I think the other piece of it is, as a working mom in today's world, the social aspect, uh, we don't have churches like we used to. Not that I'm not, I am not in a church, even I wouldn't be if I could be. But we don't have the community clubs. We don't have the village Yes. And we don't live near our parents or family. And if we do, we may not even want them involved in our family, right? So, like, right. in my family, <laughs> I love my family, but they are not – we're just very different. Right. And so I don't necessarily want my children to be somewhere with one of my parents for extended periods of time without right. me there. Right. So we have to start to build a village. And so putting my kids at daycare and being a working parent, I have built a village. Yes. But it's a struggle. It's to find people. Yeah that can help you and then I have friends who are divorced who've gone through divorce and you know one of the biggest reasons mm-hmm. I find women stay when they have children is either financial right I can't afford to leave right which my entire life has been constructed around not having that problem yes I mean because I have a grandmother and a mother who both had that problem mm. they, it was perception problem right I can't afford to leave of course you can right. figure it out if you right. really had to leave but yes and then um, I can't afford to leave or I don't want to break up my family right and so I'm talking with a lot of women right now who are in stages in their relationships that may or may not are exploring, do I want to stay married or have just gotten divorced? And the kind of what I'm hearing from a lot of them that are successfully getting divorced, in quotes, is it's not breaking up a marriage or breaking up a family. It's realigning a family. Right. Right? You're just, and that's true. Yeah. It's not easy. It's super hard. It's hard to be, and then people are like, when you leave your kids, don't you miss them? <laughs> Uh, After, like, the second night, yes, yes. <laughs> we have FaceTime, right? <laughs> you know, I don't have to deal with, like, getting them to bed and the stress of trying to feed two, you know, two people who want two different things and all yeah. the things when I'm out of town for work. Oh, so, you let them pick different things? I was Only occasionally. Like, that my children really like to fuss at me, and I'm like, this is not a restaurant. I no. make what I make, and you eat what I make. You don't go to back to the kitchen and scrounge up a peanut butter and jelly. Oh, see, I, peanut butter and jelly are default, right? So yeah. if you won't eat what I what I make, you can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but oh, that's it. I make them go hungry. Oh, like <laughs> so mean. You're not mean. That is what I plan to do. And then Whitman was so little and so skinny, and it was just yeah. like just get food in him, right? When yeah. he was born, he was like tiny, and then yes. he was. So I've had that phobia. Eliza would eat anything you threw at her, <laughs> but they like different things. Yes. He likes meat. They all eventually. Yeah. They'll eat. Yeah. I mean, but she would rather have an egg than eat meat. You know, he would rather have 
cheese than you know they're just they're very different she wants fruit he wants vegetables i'm like okay whatever just i just throw raw vegetables at him and let him work it out yeah and they eventually figure it out <laughs> and the daddy fixes it out somewhere that i would never approve of right that's what right. and if i didn't know so traveling for years for work since liza was born i've traveled more so she's four now than i'd ever traveled in my entire career and wow. i'm currently working a national job so i'm working with 50 51 different 50 states in Puerto Rico in addition I have to be I'm in DC once a month yeah and um so you never know where I'm gonna 50. be yes you never know where I'm gonna be right you never know what I'm doing and um and it turned out I just found out recently that as I mentioned I was leaving and Whitman said oh good we get to go Kasonic <laughs> and I was like what what are you talking about and he goes daddy takes us to Sonic every time you leave town <laughs> Good God, what? Well, I for the I, dirty I, secrets of the family come out. Mom's I gone. I know that my kids live on pizza when I'm not here. Yeah, like, we, they, it's a once a week thing for us now. But again, yeah. that goes back to letting go of guilt, right? Yeah. You're doing the best you can do. Right. Yeah. And there's no such thing as work life balance. Yeah. Every week, something's going to be out of balance. Exactly. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? And I, it's so interesting to watch, like, we have, it's for me to stay home is a luxury. It really is. So for me, it would be a punishment. Well, it's a it's a luxury <laughs> that you because of that the, I for, can for, you can't right right that right. I don't have to go out and hustle right to make ends meet. I mean, I I have a job and it's just like that pays is paying off all our debt really fast. Like right. that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's not contributing to our normal family life, you know. Right. And I recognize that that is privilege maybe that's a better word it's a privilege it is a privilege i think Um, that's the default model yeah and i'm reading a book right now called making motherhood work Mm -hmm. by caitlin i can't remember her last name it is a heavily put it in the notes we'll put it in the notes it's a heavily it's a research-based book right Right. so it's a phd it was it was she wrote it it's a phd written book a thesis it is but it's a study and she interviews women all across the world wow of working women and policies and it goes much deeper than just, oh, America doesn't have, you know, we're bottom two on, on working, fam- supporting working families and we're the bottom and all these other things. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. However, in, com- in other s- countries where you're expected to take six months off as a parent, as a mother, right. not as a parent, but as a mother, if you don't do it, oh. there's like a shame around it. Oh. And some women are like, I don't, I can't and don't want six months off yeah. work with my kid. Yeah. Like, I need to get back into my career. I need to do these things. And there's, so there's all these things that are built around it. And then all comes around the primary caregiver, but we don't value, we don't really truly value primary caregiving. Mm-hmm. We just don't. And, um, and then we also expect women to do it. And there's wow. a host of things wrong around that. that are just problematic. Yeah. Cause it doesn't mean that that's the person that's best suited to do it. Right. You know, just cause you're the one that birthed them. Right. Right. I mean, I think instinctively I'm the one who would jump in front of a train. I think Zach would do it. He would just think about it a little, like a split second longer. <laughs> right? I think dads kind of go, there's a different calculation like, in the dad. Oh, I can make another one. Wait. Exactly. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> so, but I think that's kind of the calculation. I think the instinct, if you ever talk to most most moms, especially when it comes again back to like divorce or family issues, most moms, that goes, that goes primal. Right. Right? Oh. It goes from being like Crazy our kids to my kids. Yeah, like you ain't taking my kids. Yes, I will, they will. They won't find your body, right? <laughs> like I can live without the life insurance. They will not find you. Right. I have. I have felt it, and I have actually told some of the mom friends I have. 
I shouldn't probably say this, but I'll help you bury them. Like <laughs> you call me girl. I am your, I am your, I'm your body burying friend. Like, um, because, but, but so I think there's a difference in just the instinctive way yes. we feel. So we do make career when you have a job, the mental burden, men, this is gender stats, but it's, it's proven out scientifically, at least based in America on our infrastructure, our current societal infrastructure, that men are way more easily walking away and going to work and coming home, right? Do they? They do because they get, when they do stay home, it's like, wow, you stayed home with your kid. Yay, look at you. <laughs> and if a mom doesn't, it's like, why don't you want to be with your kid? Don't you like kids? Uh, right? Okay. I mean, the, the, there's a difference. Like, yeah. you know, like, I rush home to make sure Zach has gotten whatever. He's not rushing home to make sure I've taken care of something for the children. Right. There's a difference in how we, even when, I, when I'm the primary breadwinner. Right. And the expectations around who's going to rush to do something for the children. I find this all so fascinating. Like, it's really, there's a different, I, I don't doubt that my spouse loves our children. Right. But I, there's a difference. Like, he doesn't stay up nights <laughs> worrying. No. He doesn't think through the minutia of like their bowel habits and their psyche and how they're doing at school. And he's like, we got to be. And I'm like, yeah, but it was like this huge struggle. It shouldn't be a struggle. He's a very smart child. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we get him from like a B is normal and fine and everybody thinks that's okay. But I see him falling apart. So mm -hmm. can we address the falling apart part? Right. You exactly. Know. Exactly. I think. And, you know, that's ugh, the parenting differences, right? Like, yeah. Even, especially when you're in situations where one's more primary caregiver than the other or one's more there than the other, it becomes yeah. the trying to keep it consistent. Yeah. You know, we've had to have that conversation recently about that because yeah. it can't just be reactive. And that's unfortunately kind of we're both like, okay, now we'll deal with the problem because it's become <laughs> a problem versus trying to get more proactive about yes. it. And so, you know, and then I, again, it's, I like, I like working. I like my job. I like the fulfillment of my job, and my kids don't know what I do. They don't. Mm -mm. Nobody does. <laughs> it's called job security. It's very vague. <laughs> well, people thought I worked for the farmers market for years, right? Because I did really? not. Because uh, I did not. I started friends with the National Farmers Market like in two thousand six or seven, and two thousand six, and we did it for years, and I was there all the time before I had children. Yes. And so people were like, oh, yeah, you used to work at the farmer's market. I was like, never worked at the farmer's market. Nope, never did. Did you work in dog rescue? Never worked in dog rescue. That was also <laughs> what they knew me for, right? So they yes. don't, nobody knows. My, my son thinks I just give speeches. <laughs> Whitman goes, she's traveling, giving some speeches. Like I'm a politician. I don't think my kids know what really, what Matt or I do. And it's really hard to say what I do. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm a project manager, which means I make sure everybody else yeah. does what they're you, supposed like to do. Like you do the house. Right. You I, just say, I do for others. I get paid, I get paid to do what I do here. <laughs> you people are getting me for free. Right. You need you, to appreciate. Yeah. The number of hours I put in to Send this project. Send them a bill. Like, and be like, this is how much it would cost you. <laughs> I've done that before. Zach has been complaining about something one day, and I finally said, legally, you know, legal stuff, and, and finally I said, do you know how much it would cost you if I was actually, you were my client? Yeah. Like at $250, $300 an hour? I'm billing you. I'm going to bill you for this on. if you keep talking about it. <laughs> But even then, you know, somebody married to somebody who's a lawyer still makes, like, he does things. And I'm like, why didn't you ask me about that first? Why didn't you? Oh, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, well, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Could have helped you. I think this, you know, Whitman thinks that I can fix anything, which is beautiful and brilliant. Yeah. And terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Like, mom can fix it. No, baby, I can't. I've told, I, I have to remind them over and over again, I can't fix broken plastic or broken metal. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a welder. 
and broken plastic can never be repaired. So if you break this plastic thing, it's gone. My son thinks I could fix the broken country. Oh yes, he think. I mean, he he had. My kids he, think I can fix like our house, everything. Uh, my child and, thinks that if I go to the White House and get in front of the White House and give a speech, he'll fix it. That I'll fix it. That's what he told me. Oh, and I was like, okay, good that you haven't sacked me with like climate change yet, because that would be really upsetting. <laughs> really? No, bud, I cannot turn that around mm, right now. Wow. I can't. That would be ideal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's happening. You can do that. <clears throat> no, I can't. <laughs> but I love. I mean, at least they still at this age think that we can do anything Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yes and then you know I think being again being real and open and honest is something we don't do we're not being vulnerable right in the right places sometimes with our kids maybe (laughs) I feel like I'm just like an open wound I'm not trying to like dump on them but they I think they are starting to see like when I'm just like I can't I can't do that right now I can't yeah but I think communicating that that is important yeah like I grew up in a situation where a mother struggled and I didn't know why mm-hmm. and I've paid I, I am the person I am today because of that yeah. right or wrong but there's a lot of like how I tell friends girlfriends right. if I don't hear from you for a while I start to my mind fills voids because I never knew you know right mom would be good one day and not the other and I never knew why yeah so I thought it was my fault yes Right. that's what we do as kids. We yeah. assume so I just, it's And then us. she would snap at me and say, well, you, you know, so, so I need you to kind of give me feedback. Yes. So that's what I try to do with my children. Yeah. Is to kind of provide feedback and say, you know, this is where I'm struggling right now, or this is where we're, we're good right now, or like, I can help you with this. We read um, the book called Guts. Have you read it? It's a graphic uh-uh. novel. It's a graphic novel for children probably ages seven and above, and it's the little girl in the book is Raina. It's a woman, Raina. She's written several books. Smile guts sisters and they're all graphic novels okay and she, and based on her life but she had um, a lot of anxiety as a child yeah and ended up seeing a therapist it was digestive issues she's had it her whole life and they've mm. never and um she's like in fifth or sixth grade in the book so Whitman and I started reading it because I bought it for him because he doesn't really have anxiety but he's starting to become socially aware which is extraordinarily hard on me Right. Because I'm so attuned to that, and right. he hasn't cared what anybody thought about him until recently, <laughs> and now he does. Yes, and so um, he's terrified. Like he's terrified of throwing up, and this little girl's terrified of throwing up. So we read the book, and there was a therapist in the book. The mom takes a little girl to see a therapist right. to have somebody to talk to, and so at the end of the book, she's at a slumber party, and they're like, "What's the most scary secret, most embarrassing thing you have?" And Raina says, "I have a therapist." And one of the other little girls says, I have a therapist too, you know. And the other little girl says, my parents see a therapist. And so it's this normalized thing. And and Whitman said, um, I said, well, you know, buddy, if you ever want to see a therapist, like he has ADD. Right. But we have have him him on a med that's working. And and he's still struggling with reading but getting there. Math is is doing really well. And I said, if you ever want to see somebody just talk, especially the social stuff. Right. um, That's not dad or I or another adult or godparents. You could, I could always get you a therapist. I've had a therapist. Daddy has a therapist. We all yes. need a therapist. Like, yes. kind of like Oprah. You get a therapist, and you get a therapist. <laughs> and um, he said, well, Mama, you're kind of like my therapist. Ooh. And, you know, though, I took it as a compliment. Aww. Like, I was like, oh. He goes, I tell you things that are yeah. hard, and I, you know, we talk about them, and I came out of there going, he just he played me like a drum. Like, he's like, <laughs> my mom needs this kind of reinforcement to make her feel like I'm telling her things. But I'm going to say, you're my therapist, mom. And you're the best. I was Aww. like, oh, honey. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you probably want to see somebody else that's at least yeah. trained. Yeah, to do these skills. This is out of my skill set. Yeah. So I'm struggling right now, right now. I personally, as a parent, am struggling with second grade and the social. I feel like that's when that's, it kicks in. It is. And it's like, brutal. It's brutal. It was really hard for girls. It's it's really hard for girls and it's hard for boys, but they don't. In a different way. In a different and they, way. And they don't communicate. And my, Whitman my was friends with mostly girls. So right now they've yeah. all become girls and they've kind of said, no, you're a boy, you're gross, or you're not my part yes. of my thing. And he wasn't with the boys really because he doesn't engage in that physical right. kind of rough and tumble play. And so it became this like he sat, once he became emotionally rare, right at the same time he realized he didn't know where he was supposed mm. to be Aww. and how he was supposed to engage. Yes. And um, and so I'm actually have arranged, this is back to that taking power where you can, is I put something out on Facebook on our my school's uh, family's page, a couple of things, and said, hey, everybody, I don't know if you're dealing with this stuff, but here's a couple of resources for books, No Mean Girls, a couple of these other books. I'm seeing this and hearing about this in second grade from my kid. And if your kid isn't talking to you about it, it's possible that your child's an instigator, right? Like we need right. to open a parental conversation around it. Yeah. Um, Cause we don't talk about it. Yeah. And we think it's, I, I refuse to accept this is the way it is. Right. I'm um, not on my watch. Well, I've I don't. heard a lot of people say like they want to let the kids work it out. And I'm like, but hang on. We as adults often don't know how to work it out. How do they know? No, Unless I don't want, down, I like, don't want to give you some tools. Right. I don't want a baby or we, but I refuse, I think our, I think this goes back to my experience in working <laughs> career as a woman in a male dominated industry <clears throat> my entire life. Right. And being okay with that, fitting in, in a space. And in my last job, having a situation where being a woman became a problem. And I knew it. And yeah. Gender was a problem. Mm-hmm. I was looked on differently because I was a woman. I was expected to behave differently because I was a woman. And uh, relational aggression is something that we as a society still do not deal with. Right. And it is mm. just as bad as it's or worse than physical aggression. So boys punch it out, and yes. then they play together the next day. Right. Girls devastate each other. Oh gosh. And they're doing yes. it to boys now too. Oh. And boys do it to girls. So there are things happening. It's not just girls. It's just, a, but it, we we can't accept that as the way that this. If we want to change how we all view each other and how right. we get along, if women in careers want to be viewed, I don't want to be viewed as equals a man. I want to be viewed different, but just as good as a man. Right. I don't want to be equal to you because I'm not equal to you. You're not equal to me. Yeah. Probably actually a little better than you. But <laughs> I mean, but let's, you know, we're not the same. Yes. So let's, if we're going to love each other for differences, we have to start to have those conversations at this time. So yeah. I started it at our school and now we have a meeting set up with a group of second grade parents who raised their hand and said, yes, I want to have a conversation around this. Yes. Because these parents, we all need some relational aggression training. Yeah. How to spot it, how to deal with it, how to talk to your kids about it. Yeah. How to teach them to advocate for themselves. Yes. You know, it's really, it's really difficult and it's so subtle. So we're dealing with this with a fifth grader. Oh God. Who's a girl? Yes, and she comes home and says, "Mama, I don't know what is going on. Like, <clears throat> I can't read anybody. Like, I think people like me, and then they're mean mm-hmm. behind my back, or later, or the next hour, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't figure out where I stand. Mm-hmm. I can't." And I'm like, "This is exactly why I stopped hanging out with girls in about fifth or sixth grade." Yeah. 
I couldn't, I couldn't read it. I couldn't figure it out. There's like some secret code or whatever it is that I couldn't, I couldn't get a handle on. And then I, I didn't even attempt to really figure it out until I was married. <laughs> like that was 36 years old or 26 years old. Like I didn't even attempt to like try actually really until I, um, well, no married. Cause I realized like, if Matt and I are going to argue, I don't need to go see my dude friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's not this sometimes. Go, this could go awry. Right, that's like, true. Quickly. Right. You know, maybe if I felt that way about what women, about women, it might go awry quickly in that direction, mm-hmm. but I didn't, and so it felt like a safer place to like vent my troubles than to some other guy who'd mm-hmm. be like, let me fix that for you, mm-hmm. ma'am. You know? <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> that's... You know, yeah, that's I got just it. opening and up Especially when you're in a vulnerable space. Right. 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 Yeah. And then in motherhood was when I really sort of found my tribe of women. And I had never had that before motherhood. Yes. And I think if you reach out, you'll be surprised. Yeah. I think the lesson is from me has been just because, like you said, I am the person who's just going to continue to have the conversation until somebody else does, <laughs> that I had women come up to me afterwards after their first post and say, thank you. Yeah. Right. I didn't know how to start this conversation. My kid hasn't slept for three nights. Oh. Or I didn't know how to have this conversation. My kid has cried all last week. Yeah. Right? It's happening to all of them. No one's talking about yes. it. Yes. I wonder what the, like, me and my little, like, let's get to the science part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, what happens in that shift in the brain at age seven? Seven, right? Mm-hmm. Seven or eight? Eight. He's just turned eight. But, yeah, seven yeah. and eight. What happens to the brain that goes, oh, I have this power now with words and I can say something and it changes you or it hurts you I or it know. makes you happy. Like, I wonder if there's like some developmental little step that they come to. Right I would in guess there is age. because, you know, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. But what? You know, that whole commercial, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> no. I can fix this. I can do your brain surgery. Um, <laughs> No, I think, what is it, before age of three, unless it's super traumatic, they don't remember it. Right. Between three and five, they will only hold those memories up until the age of seven. Okay. So anything under seven to form long-term memory is really difficult. Oh, wow. So I think there's a whole lot thing in there in three, five, and seven. Mm. So seven up is probably when you are starting to become you, like, you know what I mean? You're finding yes. your space in the world. And I think yes. part of that is exerting power where you can. Yes. And social structure is really all you have power over at that time. At age, yeah. At age two. You're learning to read, really read chapter yes. books and all the things. You're writing, you're doing math. You're doing exponential academic right. stuff in second right. and third grade. And I didn't even look up, I don't think, until fourth grade. <laughs> I mean, I think it was fourth grade when I started to see. That was the first time I distinctly remember a, 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 friend, a girl that I thought was a friend turning against me. Yeah. And being blindsided. Yeah, I I don't think I was really aware of that, aware of that until... And I stayed away from it. Like your point, I mean, I I keep small, close female friendships. Yeah. Like I have lots of acquaintances, (laughs) but I only have a few people that I'm going to text in the middle of the night when I need something. Yeah. Right. And I have those and I keep them close. Yeah. Um, And I've always done that my whole life. But I had a girlfriend in seventh grade that changed my life. Really? I think that's what I'm trying to do for my kids. Right. Trying to do for my kids what Misty Kelly, Misty Jaco Kelly, who lives in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and I tell her this, did it for me. What did she do for you? She taught me I could be, I was important, 
and I did not, des- I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't deserve any of this, and that people liked me. And if they didn't like me, I didn't worry about it. Wow. You know what I mean? In seventh grade. Yeah. But she was just kind of that force of. She also got married at 18 and still married to the same person. What? Had a baby at 18 what? and they have four kids. What? Yeah, I know. And her kids are like teenagers now, right? Uh, all, and her youngest is 10 or 13 and <laughs> has a horse. And, but Oh, I want to have a horse and live in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. They've made it work. But, but I tell her that all the time. I said, I wouldn't be who I am today had you not in that space, in that 6th, 7th grade space, 7th grade, in that pivotal moment right before like the start of middle school, right before middle school, empowered me to be yeah. like – you don't need to hang out with those people if they're not going to be nice to you. Yeah, those aren't your friends. Because mamas say that, and like it, they don't. No, I mean, you my need daughter a, doesn't. But you got to find your person, right? Yeah. You got to find your person. So teaching your children to look for, like we do with trauma and emergencies, look for the helpers. Yes, look for the in helpers. your social circle. Look for the helpers. Yeah, and disregard the rest. Eventually, they're going to come along. Yeah, like oh man, you know, have some grace. And just, I told Whitman, I said, tell them if they, they treat you that way, just say, I want to be your friend. If you don't be my friend, cool. Let me know when you're ready. Yeah. And walk away. Mm. That's easy for me to say. To, to, <laughs> it is. To a hate For a kid who's, who, yeah, <laughs> who's in a classroom setting with that person all day long. No, and- I can't. Yeah, and I, I can't. Because like, you can come observe the class. I'm like, no, no, I can't. I can't. I know my yeah, boundaries. Because I'll be mama bear. Because I'll be like, like, yeah, for all of them. Yeah. Like, I'm that way with all kids picking on other kids. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. You're not going to do that. It's not yeah. going to happen in my watch. So <laughs> you all need to back away and leave that person alone. There's a, a particular kid that was just bugging my kid. And I was like, I'm over this. And I went and sat and had lunch mm-hmm. with my kid. Yeah. And this child was across from me. And I was like, oh, you. <laughs> I've heard about you. Hi. And they're like, oh, what? I said, yeah. I hear all the stories about what you do. Um, and they're like, oh, I yeah. said, yeah, it's got to stop. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. You know, like I'm casually having lunch yeah. with my child, like, but I see you. Yes. And I want you to know that I see yeah, you. Yeah, I think that's it. I I'm think- not in a threatening way, yeah. but like this, you think that you're getting away with this and that no one knows and that you're doing it under the radar. But I know and I see you. That I, That is the key, I think, to me. Yeah. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. Right? Right. So I think as a society, we hide behind all of these things. And yeah. people say, oh, you can't say that. Or you can't. No, hey, guess what? If you do that, if you have a problem with me talking about it, then don't do it. Right. Right? So I was at a birthday party at the gymnastics gym. This will probably make me really make me sad. Mm-hmm. And um, the, kid, the kids were playing. It was a big group from school. And everybody was boys and girls. And they were all running around playing and women had had a hard week and um they were we were getting in line to go get birthday cake and stuff and a little boy from his school that's not in his class Whitman was swinging on a bar or something and Whitman said something to him I have no what it was and the little boy hit him in the face and I watched it do it and he didn't hit him with a fist or all but he hit him with something he had in his hand yeah it hit him in the face and I heard Whitman say ow it hit him yeah and I saw it and of course I was like "Uh uh-uh oh Oh, heck no. no. <laughs> right? I'm the person that was pregnant when they kicked my, kicked my dog in the dog park, and I went across the dog park after somebody, and my husband was like, you're pregnant, don't do that. Like, you know. And I um, I said, oh, oh uh-uh. Yeah. And the kid looked at me and then walked to his parents. We're like two people behind me. And Whitman comes over, and he's like, I don't know why he hit me. And he's clearly upset, and he's hurt. And he goes, I don't know why he hit me. And I turned and looked at the kid, and I looked at the kid's parents, and I said, that's not acceptable. Like, I don't know what that was about. 
Yeah. And she goes, the mother says, well, I saw it and he didn't mean to. And I turned back around and I said, no, that is, some, that is not true. That was completely intentional. Yeah. When you raise your hand to somebody and go pow exactly their face. with something in their face and hand, it and means I, a thing. And I looked at the kid and I said, "That is not acceptable." And that is, and I, I was so angry, and so upset. Now the inner Lawrenceburg in me was like, "Tear them up!" You know, <laughs> like, everybody needs to know. But then I'm like, "Okay." So we went through the line and everything else, and later on, the little boy comes over and apologizes. Yeah. But that's because he's being forced to. Yeah. He didn't really mean it. Yeah. And I just, I just feel like it's not just my kid. Because my kid has me. Right. There's all these other children out there that don't have someone. And right. then they're 12 and they're killing themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, because they don't have anybody to talk to or they don't know what to say. or they don't. Know. So we as parents have got to just plug in and dig in harder and say, no, not acceptable. I'm sorry. I don't care if that you hurts your kid. If you want to work the kids to work it out, that's fine. I'm not, my kid's not going to grow up in a space where people treat each yeah. other that way. Well, there was a very specific example where one of my children was trying to figure out a social thing, and um, the other parents were like, well, let's just let it lie. Let's let it sort out. And I'm like, no. So I pulled my daughter aside and said, hey, here's some tools. Mm -hmm. And she actually went to this person that was, like, hurting her feelings and said, Here's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And the, the girl responded with like, oh, I didn't know I was That's doing exactly. that. That's I'm really point. sorry. I think it's, it, we, and I was like, oh, angel sang. And my, I was like, I gave her a tool. I didn't just let her like go like pout and sulk and do her, you know, tween age thing. We're yeah. like, oh, like nobody's going to come after you if you're sitting there crying. They don't know what's wrong. Right. And then you alone. become the person who has to, like with Whitman not caring for so long. Yeah. Now he sits there and feels left out, and it hurt my feelings at first. And then I realized, well, you got to push in. Yeah. Because you, since kindergarten, have been a kid that didn't care. Right. And kind of did your own thing and didn't care, just played with whoever came along and didn't really care if you were included or excluded. Right. Now you want to be included, but they're not used to including you. Yeah, so you got to let so them So you're going to have to walk into that. that space and say, I want to be here. I want to be part of this. Let me know how to do it. Yeah. And that's, but we as adults spend all this time, energy, and money figuring out who we are on the Enneagram, doing all our, like a Myers-Briggs, figuring Going out conflict, therapy. doing our conflict stuff. But we don't acknowledge that our kids are not all cut from the same exact color of cloth, right? right. And that maybe they all, one's a visual learner, one's an audio learner, an oral learner. One is, one has a communication style of this way. One has a communication style of that way. Yeah. We don't, we don't observe those differences. Yeah. Now, we're at a school with a whole child model that does do that. Right. But still, we have the social situations. Yes. Especially because we have a lot of children coming out of really bad of trauma. Yeah. So we have probably socioeconomic and racially diverse school and probably more children coming out of trauma issues, with trauma issues to school. So the, right. the relational situation is completely different. Yeah. You know, when my kid's playing with that kid and then things get heated, my kid might back off that kid comes forward with fist because that's what he sees right so we have to address it in a different way yeah but we don't acknowledge that sometimes yeah so for parents you know get in there and like start to understand kind of how your kid is learning and how your kid is observing and how your kid is taking things in and then help them empower them to to talk to others yeah if they can it's such a big like i mean even just watching my little three do this on their own level in their own way and there are triumphs and there are total flopping failures as they sort through this and, and like 
I mean, I know we said this whole thing was about working moms, but like, it's not really. It's about about kids. It's all about kids. Like that, it doesn't matter who you're, like what your job is in life. That our hearts as moms come back to. Mm -hmm. We have to sort. We have to help you, prepare you, for like being a human in the world. Yes. For not being a jerk. For having tools. For having skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to pivot back to being a working mom. Interestingly enough, the book How to Talk to Your Kids, How to Listen to Your Kids Will Talk and How to Talk to Your Kids Will Listen. Oh, I love that book. Okay. That is a beautiful book for women in careers. Is it? Because it will change how you listen to people in the office. Really? Yes. I've had a a a female friend of mine who has two children who is a CEO in Minnesota said she read the book and then she realized at her job, because mostly she was dealing with middle-aged white men, (laughs) that that book changed how she had dialogue with her coworkers and her peers and her superiors and changed her job. She's like, it's so much more, it's so much better because I realized it's just like talking to my kids. Yeah. Just a different way. Yeah. Like the Janet Lansbury ideas are very similar. Like if you use those tools at work Hmm. and then I own who I am at work, right? I don't pretend like I don't have kids. I don't pretend like our kids don't matter. They're on my screensaver. They're on my and 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 they're a business development tool. I mean, I said if I had known having kids and playing fantasy football would open that many doors and work, I would have done it a lot earlier. Because everybody (laughs) in work has a kid or has a niece or nephew or has a grandson or granddaughter. Common ground. It's a common ground. Yeah. So the minute they have you have younger children or children of school age children, then it's this whole like, how do you do it? Yeah. And then I only surround myself now. I only work with and for people who who appreciate and respect and and value that as well. Right. Yeah. So that when I'm with my family, I'm with my family, you know, and like that's I, important. Yeah. And it's they also not. like animals. If people don't like animals, you have to question them. <laughs> like, right? what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know, Even I, if you're wildly allergic. My daughter is wildly allergic, and she cannot stop touching animals that she's allergic to. I'm like, stop touching them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that's my point. I'm like, if you aren't, if you, if you're not kind to animals, then yeah. how can I? How are you going to treat other people? I know. We <laughs> there at the kids' school, at the middle school, this little hollow turns into a temporary pond whenever we have a lot of rain. Yesterday there were ducks in it. And my, my, one of my kids was like, I want to go down there and see him up close. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to throw rocks. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going down there. No. Like, we don't throw rocks. At, he's like, I just want to look at them and, like, provoke them to fly. Or yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, you're not going no. down there. Not in my house. And like, So I'm the slug. I mean, I defend all animals. So even the slugs. Like, the kids yeah. bring I'm like, do not bring a slug in the house. Come on. It's like, let's take it. Their slug family misses them. Come on. <laughs> But you know, in the slug family, in the in the slug family, but in the work place, I mean, owning who you are and owning what you are and what you've done and who you've become, and and demanding space for that, yeah. and and if we have enough privilege to be able to make changes, then if you're in a job where that doesn't feel right, the gut isn't telling you, then move, yeah. you know, you yeah. got to do something different. That's what I found a lot of working moms who um, feel trapped. Yeah. You know, if they don't feel trapped in one way, in their, one area of their life, family, career, or personal, there's something in their space right now. And what is your itch? Yeah. You know? And unfortunately for me, I only react to crisis. So when, you know, only when I got, it got really bad at work. Fire's out. Fire, put the fire out. Right. And then I'm going to, like, you put me in a corner, I'm going to blow my way out. Like, yeah. you know, so only when I got backed into a complete corner 
Did you, yeah. Did I really do that and say, okay, now something has to change yeah. and need to be a little more proactive about planning for those yeah. sort of things? <laughs> well, and there's this, I think in my mind, I've had this idea that like, because there are moms out there who work and don't stay home with their kids, that their mindsets are different than my mm-hmm. mindset. And being reassured over and over again, I it was, I mean, it was kind of like a subtle, almost a subtle prejudice I carried. Like, well, I'm home with them all the time I must care more and it's not true it's not true but it was this little subtle oh we feel it not from you but we feel it like a a we feel it a bias yeah in my mind and working moms are that's where I'm trying to cultivate a village of women who say I am going to work I love what I do I can change the world through work or my space through work and I'm going to love my kids and raise them and mm. I'm going to do that as well or better than I'm doing my job. Those two things can coexist. They cannot live in the same space all the time and you stay a sane human. Yes. Right. Let's talk about that organization that right now has no name. It has no name. But we're going to brainstorm. There's no name. <laughs> we're going to brainstorm. Because coming, realizing that this is a place of privilege. Right. So there are organizations out there that help mothers who are um, who have mental illness. There are religious organizations that help women who, who are in, who are mothering. Mm-hmm. There are leadership at the Wazoo organizations for women in careers. Right. There's mentoring programs, all these things. There's things about work-life balance as a mom and all these things, but no one talks about, there's some people doing it, but no one is a, like a one-stop shop of how do I find, um, how do I go to a group of people? Who can I call when this happens? Or how, do, what is right. my resource? So, I find myself in a situation where I'm going to use the job because the job example is where it came from, where I look up and I've been in a position for six years. I loved what I was doing and then all of a sudden realized things had just flipped on its head and I had no exit strategy. Right. And I couldn't mentally, I could stay, but the mental and physical toll, the mental and spiritual toll it would have taken on me and the emotional toll of my marriage right. was not worth it. Right. And so I had to, what am I going to do? I'm yeah. the breadwinner. Right. I carry the insurance. Yeah. What am I going to do? Now, can yeah. I jump ship and go somewhere quickly, easily? Probably. But am I going to be jumping out of one pan into the other? Right. Probably. Right. Because the infrastructure issues around white male, mostly, the, the challenges in that area weren't going to change. Right. And I'm in a position as an executive in leadership where my personality type, that's not going to change either. Right. And so I didn't know who to call. Yeah. And the first person I called was a man. How do you, but how do you like make that into like a nonprofit or an organization? Like how do you? You build villages of Mm. women who wouldn't always have known each other. So the conversation, what I did when that happened to me was I found an exit strategy for myself. Right. I gained my power back. I needed to have a, I needed to take my power back. Yeah. So the realization I had was they're not going to fire me. That was number one. Right. Right. They're just going to make it misery. They're going to make it miserable and I'm going to make it miserable for them. Right? right, they can't fire me. If they do, I will probably have a, a good basis for a lawsuit. Right. So my best bet is to go in and say, "Here's we see that here's the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to work. Kind of like a marriage. Right. This isn't working. Yes. We need to figure out how to separate amicably where everybody looks like it's it's you know it's gone. Everybody gets what they need. And we split up the house and the kids. Right? right. Like you keep the house, I'll take the kids. And um and here's what I need. Right. And because um, we could do it the hard way, and it's going to take long, and it's going to be painful for both of us, and it's going to be ridiculous, and we're never going to get what we want. Right. Or we can do it the respectful way, and this is how we're going to do it. And once I did that, 
I got my power back in some ways, and I was able to make a plan. Right. But otherwise, I was in crisis mode. Right. So that translates across every area of your life, mm-hmm. right? Financials, school, kids, everything in your life, conflict within family. Yeah. My mom and my, you know, not, that's not my example, but I have a sister, you know, somebody says, I have a sister who has an opposite political belief and we're not speaking to each other. Right. Now what? Yeah. And then you don't, who do I, you know, so it's shared experiences. Yeah. And so women in careers who are breadwinners, who have parents, who have children, who maybe don't have a will. Right. Like, you don't have a will? Yeah. Let's get you a will. But it's like, it's like admitting you don't floss. Nobody wants to admit. Hmm. That, you know, or nobody wants to admit that they're not doing, right? They don't want to step. You don't want to do those things. So it's it's putting women in a place to say, we have benefited from the current social structure for millennia. Right. But we have paid the price for the current social structure for millennia. Because I personally believe that white women, and specifically white working women, have benefited from not being the other. Yes. So we were property of our husbands, but right. we weren't the slaves. Yes. We owned slaves. Yes. So we are not a point in our Oof. country where those two pieces are rubbing together in a way that it cannot sustain itself. Right. Right. Women want to be in the next level. They want to be the leaders of the world. They want to be the action oriented. They want to train their children to do that. They want to empower others, but they're still benefiting from this structure that is systematically broken yes. to who we want to be. Right. Now, I can't fix all that. Right. But what it can do is bring together where in my own backyard, small patches of cohorts, villages of women who all have an itch in some place in their life and bring them together to collectively work on their itches yeah. and scratch them yeah. and then empower them to move to the next issue so that they can help the next person. And that's really what it's about. And not just women that... Not just white ladies. Not just white women. Yeah. But I think statistically, <clears throat> that's the majority of who you in that position in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, in Nashville, right? right. It's better women, like working white women who are the breadwinners. Who are breadwinners, who are mothers. Yeah. Um, and then empowering them to help other mothers that are not. Yeah. As a young single mom with one child who's coming out of poverty, how do we bridge that? Right. How do we start to change? At the end of the day, it's evolution of a country through one person, one little village at a time. Oh my gosh, we talk about all this this all the time. Like the global circle, the national scale, like but like the only thing you can change is is the here right now in front of you. Yeah. The the immediate your immediate sphere. And that radiates and changes everything. It's called yeah. Cas- there's a book called Cascades. And yeah. it's written by a guy about about political movements, ones that have sustained and ones who haven't. Yeah. And how they've you know, do you remember um uh, the Wall Street one? They um, they camped out there. Oh, uh, Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. Nobody remembers it. What did it really do? Yeah, what did it? It was a splash. Yeah, it, it was, was hot, shiny. But I have found that's always fun and good. But systematic change, it, collective impact requires bringing a bunch of. So it's not an easy can't just put one word around it. It's about facilitating and fostering a space for women with children to to come and be vulnerable and then be, and then not not my job to empower them but it is to figure out how to empower each other and engage for change right in whatever sphere that looks like yeah so again going back to women who stay in marriages because they're not they I had one girl call me and say one woman not girl mother 
of uh, several children who said, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And, you know, I said, well, we'll take the financials off the table. What would you do? Would you stay married? Yeah. I don't know. That's what you need to think about. Right. But she needed someone else to tell her that. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to build. Yeah. And it's like the good girlfriends, right? But it's it's putting people that might not ever come across each other. Right. And the lawyer who knows how to do this with the banker who knows how to access capital and credit for something else to the, you know, the executive over here who knows what's going on in this area. Yeah. So it's it's combination generally and uh, <laughs> none of those things. I'm trying to like I try to like like I asked someone you know why do the AKAs like why do the Africa the Alpha Kappa Alphas right and, and historically right. black sorority why do they a fraternity why do they continue to stay together forever support. support they have a milestone they have support they have community they have a mission they have a central focus yeah right wherever you go if you see one they're like hey girl I got you right yes. and the ones in my neighborhood they still have a club they do the thing. Why do they continue to be together? Right. Why do certain churches have groups that stay together? Right. You, so we need that for us. I just feel like we need that for us. For those of us who are floating around and going, like, church doesn't really fit me. Right. I, I wasn't in a sorority. I'm not, you know, I don't want yeah. to do junior league. No offense to junior league. I don't, I do, yes. And I, another religious organizations do it. I don't, I don't, I need a space yeah. to be that, you know, and not be in a co-working space. Just talking about work. Yes. It's talking yeah. about the whole person. So yeah. it may not work. This may not work at all. But it's such a beautiful, you know, I, I had that, but in for like a stay-at-home mom, because yeah. I was one. And I was in the mom's club for mm-hmm. 10 years. Yes. You did have one. I remember I the National, one. East National Mom's Club, and they would meet at like... Killer. Like, at times, killer. Was like, I, I can't meet then. I'm working. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> You're killing me, people. I know. But it was specifically for moms who were home, who didn't have childcare and didn't have daycare and who didn't mm-hmm. have all those things we were just home by ourselves with these pre-verbal humans like doing work alone mm-hmm. and that like without that I would have lost my mind mm-hmm. really and that's what it's just you know it, it's building the interconnectedness yeah it's the the tissue connective tissue yeah it's not unlike what I'm doing in my current day job where right. I'm taking an existing organization it's not that it's not already happening yes it's just not happening in a formal structured yeah. way let's funnel it Right, Ew. to give some collect, to, to really give you, I can use the word collective impact, but to really kind of push the need, push it forward yeah, and, and, and do more, leverage yeah. what's there. Yeah. And so we're doing that already on an ad hoc basis. Yes. But wouldn't it be amazing if the divorced mother who only, whose ex only sees the kid one week in a month, which happens, wow. right, or three or four days a month, that that mother who also travels had a village of people that rather than just the friends they always call on to say, hey, can you keep my, can you pick up my kid from school and take him for this? You know, we have right. that, but we don't have it in a way that's consistently there. Yeah. A framework that you can call it's on. It's kind of cobbled together. It is. Yeah. It is. And I pick up, I have several friends, I pick their kids up occasionally. I get the panic phone call. You know, are you uh, near the yeah. school? Can you grab him or her? My meeting ran long. I'll come by and get them. And I do it every time because when yeah. I've needed it, yeah, they're there to do it. Yeah. So, um, and it's mostly around the childcare piece. There's a lot of young, a lot of women in my, our age group that are coming out of their marriage. Yes. And, and trying to navigate. That's another piece of it is so many women struggle around, okay, how do I, how do I get a parenting plan? And you can learn from these women, but they don't want to go ask others. Like, so what yeah. I, 
So I've got, we've got this group of women, that two of the women that I'm working with on this idea are both divorced from different circumstances and both have young school-aged children. Right. And only one, but how do you navigate conflict management, um, mm-hmm. parenting, custody, the formal stuff, and then the soft stuff? Yeah. Christmas and vacations yeah. and mm-hmm. all the things that come around with it. Yeah. And then the emotions of the children and... There's therapy hosting. for everybody and therapy for everybody if, <laughs> but more than likely there one's not open to therapy you still be married or not you yes. know so um yeah it started as that idea the reason that there's so many organizations out there doing really great work is because they're focused on one thing right and that really would be way easier narrow the focus but, but it doesn't cover everything doesn't cover need. everything yeah we just want to meet them where they are yeah so the idea right now is the first group we were calling it a cohort probably have a different name would be by invitation only. Yes. Um, through the networks of folks we know, and we had between six and eight women. Yes. That will come together. We bring them together for a dinner, and then we bring them together for a full day, and they will self-identify. Right. Through either tracks of family, career, personal. Right. And personal includes a host of things. Right. Personal can be anything. Conflict management goes across all three of them. Right. But what's your big, scratchy, itchy point right now in your life? Yeah. And then let's figure out what across all of these people and come up with a project or a plan or some sort of way for you to challenge yourself in your own space and then rely on others. Right. And we'll see what happens. Hmm. We have a therapist on the call. That's a cool idea. This is a really cool idea. And I can't wait to see where it We have all the resources out there. That's the thing is, if you want a divorce, I got a lawyer for you. You got a custody issue, I got a lawyer for you. You need a will, I got a lawyer for you. You need a financial plan? I know one of those too. Yeah. Need a good therapist? Got one of those. Yes. Need some guidance on what kind of vibrator to buy? <laughs> Got that too. But you know what I mean? Like yes. that's kind of what we want to be is that yes. kind of, hey, I, what can I do with this? Right. How do I find my next job? Yeah. So that we'll that's see. so good. And it's, you know, even in all the resources and benefits and privilege I've had, like I still come to those questions and like, okay, how do I move from staying at home to working? Mm -hmm. How do I balance that? How do I like kind of, this is a, I'm I'm not going to word it right. It's going to come across harsh, but like, how do I, um, release the hooks that my people have in me Mm -hmm. and the expectations that I am the be all end all and the catch all. Mm Mm-hmm. And really say, like, carve out, like, this is the time where I can't bring you your folder. How did you not drown? At work. How did you not drown? I can't bring you your folder at school. No. Because I have to, a, a job now. Yeah, and, how did you not like, drown? I, mm, I don't know. That's amazing. <clears throat> there was a lot of, I mean, I've as a family, well, as a couple, Matt and I went to therapy, like, in different sets, like, many times. Like, mm-hmm. we'd go through, like, a huge life shift. And then go to therapy and sort of work it out. And then something else would happen, like a baby mm-hmm. <laughs> would arrive mm-hmm. and we're like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, recovery, sponsor, mm-hmm. <laughs> all those things that I used as tools and often did drown, you know, mm-hmm. instead where I'm like totally underwater, mm-hmm. totally flailing and going, I, but that goes uh, back to boundaries, help. right? Yes. That goes back to boundaries yeah. and starting. And you'll do you'll do your family and your children and yourself a really great service when you start to do that yeah. really with them. I said that to one yesterday. I was like, I have I'm recording today. I'm recording a podcast. I can't come bring you your folder that you left at home that you had all this time yeah. to pack up this morning. And yeah. I'm really sorry that you're gonna get a zero. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> well, and that's and that's that's not on you, right? That's not. I'm on you. really sorry that you left that. Now, that is what it's, so most people the... working most working moms who've worked in offices would both all be like, okay, your poor planning is not my emergency, right? Right? Like, now, I will go home and get your hearing aid. Correct. Exactly. If you need, oh. it, if you're bleeding out, I'm yeah. a girl, right? Um, but, but otherwise, but. You forgot your folder, and I'm really sorry. Yes. And what I've tried to do with mine is, I like like right now for me, I they I have boundary. I have yes. And I'll tell them, I will put you in a place. So I'll make sure you have the costume or the dress up clothes or the money in your account for the book fair or whatever those things are that you those things that you need, I that are on me. I'm gonna have those. But the other things that are on you are on you, right? right. So how you spend that money on the books, or if you don't spend the money on the books, that's you. Yes. If you choose your change your mind about your Halloween costume, I'm sorry. That's, yeah, I already made you one. It's been done. I'm not, <laughs> oh, no, no. Amazon already delivered it, right? <laughs> I am not making anything. If it can't be purchased on Amazon or Target, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> like, you need to learn how to sew. <laughs> this is not on me. I right. am not that mom, right? Yes. And I'm very open and honest with my, my family advisory council at school, with the, te- the moms and the teachers at school, I'm like, I am not your envelope stuffing mom. I am yeah. not your lunchtime mom. Yes. I am your mom that if you need to raise $1,000 for something at school, call me. We'll do that. If you need a new playground, let's do that. I will be there when I'm in town. Right. And for every, and I've committed to Whitman, for every event at school that you're doing something, if I'm in town for work, if I can avoid it, I will be there. Right. Right. Avoid travel. So I schedule my travel and try not to infringe on any of the children's things. Yes. But if I can't be there, I have like three moms in his class that will record it for me. Right. So he has, I have a sister mom, right? So my sister mom, Rachel, will go over to Whitman's class and she'll record him doing whatever and she'll send it to me. Yeah. And I do the same for her because that's what you have to do. And that's what I'm trying to do in a, in a more formal way. Right. Whatever this organization looks like or turns into or club or collective or whatever we call it. Yes. Um, you know, the, the evolution the cohort through... of working mothers who kick butt and take names. <laughs> exactly. The revolution through evolution. Uh, paradigm shifts. I don't know what, to, I don't even know what, I don't even know what, but we all know we need it. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we all know we need it. We know we need it before it becomes crisis. Right. Like I'm just right. trying to avoid women to have to have the crisis that I've been through. Yeah. I think what, what is it about like, Maybe that's our age, because I'm 43, mm-hmm. and I, I, in the past, I've only sort of lived, like, I'll think through every, you know, I'll think through wor- every worst case scenario, but I won't actually have, like, a plan. <laughs> I'll just be avoiding chaos and catastrophe. Like, that's how I, by thinking every through every scenario, I'm avoiding, like, death and destruction. I'm not actually propelling us forward in any kind of way and suddenly like in my 40s this whole like huh Mm -hmm. i should probably have a plan no thing occurred like what i don't know what happened to my brain like did i have to wait to be 40 to actually be proactive about things i think no i think being though there was a all of a sudden i stood up and i think there was a moment where i realized i had been pretending or demanding a space mm-hmm. and pretending to be something or not whatever, but like I'd claimed a space in the world that I didn't feel like I earned. Right. And then I hit sometime after 40, I stepped into that space and was like, well, by God, I earned this. Yes. Right. Yeah. I earned this. And not only did I earn this, I'm going to like, this is mine to keep I'm and gonna take. Own it. I'm going to own it. Yeah. Right. And one of my 
biggest pet like so i have small triggers my triggers are hypocrisy dishonesty and disrespect not small but they're like these are interrelated yeah so if you're a hypocrite if you if you tell me something and i disagree with you but you stick with it and you have facts and you live that life then i'm good yeah but if you come at me with something and then you're completely like in your other area of your life not living that life i'm i have a problem right you lie to me we got problems right yes. micromanagement drives me crazy <laughs> right it's try to take credit for something i've done I will burn you down. <laughs> but I will give you credit. If we work as a team, I'll give yeah. the team credit. Yes. But if I do something and you step, so that's what happens to women in work. Yeah. As a lot of times it happens and we brush it off. People keep credit for our things because we don't want to be seen as boastful. We don't want to be seen as, as, as um, demanding, as mm-hmm. bitchy, as, you know, yeah. and I had a, this was one of the straws that started to break the camels back at my la- in, in my previous career job was I walked into a meeting with a subordinate who was a subordinate to a subordinate, right? And I would not even use those terms except that that was how it was structured. Right. I was the boss, in quotes. And there were two people below me. The person below me, below me, both were men. And the person above me was a man. And I was going into a meeting with all of them. And the the executive above me, my boss, in quotes, um, said, you know, we need to talk about, let's talk about the good things that you've done and the, all the, because this was a complaint. He had, he had not done his job and he had, was upset at how I had addressed his performance. Right. And um, he said, and he had, was really open arms and going to HR because I just, he just didn't like me and the way I dealt with it. And so I said, he said, but I want to talk about the good things you've done, but let me do it. It's better coming from me. Now that right there at the time did not seem like a bad thing to me. Right. Reflecting on it afterwards, the recognition that not, I was in this position because not because of something I had done, but because the infrastructure of the organization was supporting you wasn't was built in right. this way. The person above me was like, "Look, this is how it is, and you can't talk about the good work you've done and all the things you've done and the millions of dollars you've brought in this organization and the the turnaround you've done for our business." Because I did, right? Because. He'll see it as boastful and bragging, and it won't get you anywhere, even though I shouldn't have to get anywhere because this person actually reports to me. Right. It won't be legitimate. Let me do it because it's legitimate coming for me. Mm. And that was kind of the moment of like, okay. And then I brought that up to other women, and they've gone, God, I, that has happened. You know, that's happened to me. Yeah. Let me translate man to man. Yeah. About you. Yeah. And so that you don't, and, you know, and then there was, you know, what I do now which I think catches some people off guard is they'll be like, God, that because the job I'm in now, it's a one year, two year, three year possibility. It's the funding. It's kind of, we've cobbled together the funding, but it's people who like me, who see my value. Right. And know what I'm good at. And um, somebody will say, well, this has been super helpful. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Or I love what you're doing this. And this is great. This is a great addition. And I'll say, thank you. Can you please put that in writing yeah. and send it to me? I need I need that because I need that to support the fact that I this job needs to continue to exist. Right, right. It's great. It makes me feel great. But I really need you to tell the people that pay me. Yes. <laughs> so that they know <laughs> what they're investing in is providing because they feel right. like it's good at doing good stuff. Yes. But at the end of the day, we're still business. Right. Um, and it so needs it, to pay off. Yeah, and don't let other people take credit for your work. Man. You know, so I think that goes along in parenting as well. Yes. You know, and it's... I get some credit for this, right? Yes, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. you don't want to make a list, but I remember the other day with Zach saying, do you really want to get in a conversation with me right now? Do you really want to make a list Yeah. of all of the things in parenting world we're both doing Yeah. and see who gets who has a longer list? Yeah. Because I don't think you're going to win that debate. Yeah. 
and I am traveling for work. So I think you need to like, stay out of that realm of conversation. <laughs> it's not a safe place for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I gave him a bath last time. Really? Oh. Are we really going to have that conversation mm-hmm. right now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's an hour and 16 minutes. Oh, God. Ahead. Forever. Yeah. So what, I really just, I thank Sorry, you for, no. It's like, this is, this is how conversations go. I love they're organic and they take their own life and we go our own direction. And later I'll go through the editing and be like, what do I call this episode? <laughs> ramblings from the, <laughs> ramblings from the rambler. <laughs> but I'm just so grateful that you have the time and flexibility to come over here and do this and are willing to have these conversations. They're so needed and beautiful and helpful and I hope so. I know that somebody else out there is going to go, oh, my gosh, how do I get in touch with this lady? <laughs> well, how once, do I, what? Once we have a name, we can come <clears> back <throat> and talk about, you know, my, my two partners would say, you know, they're, like I said, they're very, like, this is our plan. It's how we're going to do these things. This is this, this, and yes. researching. And I'm researching things like funding models and, you know, because I don't want this to be a business. I don't want this to be, right. you know, it's got to have some different kinds of support right. around it. Um and I'm like, and then again, what do we call it? Let's, yes. What's our mission statement yeah, look yeah. like? And they're just, you know, so we all have, we all bring our own things to the table. Right. Um, and we'll have a better vision. We have, we have a vision. It's yes. just a very big one right now. Good. That's awesome, though. And we'll have to start organically and grow from there. Yeah. And well, then, I'm... you know, and then have offer some things like, I mean, hell, I'm teaching some people how to do what you're doing. Right. You know? This is not a bad skill. It's very cool. I really like it. I think it's amazing. I've always, by that, I mean podcasting. I've always wanted, I know. I've like, always, I have other skills. You have lots of other skills. <laughs> yes, you have yeah. lots of other skills. So if we can get those claws of those little people out from out of you, you there's unlimited potential. Right. Beyond what you've already done. Yes. Yes. So, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. You're awesome. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you want to call me awesome, I'll come on over. Woohoo! Woohoo! Awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye.